This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Water Biscuits, made with real water, straight from the River Thames, and now with 50% less mouse hairs. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, Unanimous. Ah. Are we all the days? Sarah, <laughs> um, happy post Yuletide, um, great occurrence, solstice, Saturn, Uranus, Saturn, Jupiter. <laughs> I don't know. Everything happened, and now we're on the other side. Yeah, countdown to New Year's, countdown to this year finally being over. The end of fucking 2020. Yeah, I'm, what a shit show it has been. Should this not be the biggest New Year's Eve? Like, ever, that we all celebrate alone, of course. Um, my God. All of the liquor will be consumed. I think they need to dig up Dick Clark from the dead. And he's, I think he's the only one who, like, you know, have his wet nurse, like, have him push the button or something. Because this has been quite a year. Um, more and more countries are going into... Uh, more excessive lockdowns. You know, England has a tier three system and they're on tier four. <laughs> it's oh, like geez, spinal yeah. top, turn it up to 11. Same thing's happening in Canada. Yep. So people, please hang on, keep wearing a mask, keep your social distance, and um, we'll get through this um, when springtime comes. We actually had a really nice message from superfan Ursula, who uh, I think we've played one of her voicemails before uh, in a previous episode. She said lovely things about our show. Thank you, Ursula. And thank you for everybody, as always. But she said that, you know, this has been a shitty year. Of course, she used much more polite language than me. <laughs> um, but she said it was a really tough time. And, like, this winter's really tough. You know, winter's always tough. And now we have COVID and everything else um and she said she really liked listening to our our episodes of of this funny little podcast we put together and then it kind of helped her out so i gotta say like making the podcast like is forcing myself not forcing but you know having to watch an episode every week of the show and thinking about it and kind of what we're going to talk about it's been a wonderful diversion and it's hopefully brought some laughter to people it certainly brought it to me as you hear all the giggling and all the episodes <laughs> so uh thank you for that comment it's very nice to hear from you uh, Ursula. hope you're doing well Could, and your family couldn't have said it better myself you know i think this is this is the best quarantine project that i think that either of us could have come up with and um i'm looking forward to continuing it even after everything is over because we still have a hell of a lot more episodes to get through and I'm trying to make the Twitter handle, no, the Twitter hashtag go viral. Hashtag Y-A-D-T-W. You've all done very well. Yeah, it's a V, not a T. <laughs> oh, I, 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 it, was, it was a stretch, yeah. But anyway, it's fun. So anyway, you've yeah. all done very well. 
Yeah, and thank you, thank you again to Lori for the great recipe for the Christmas oh put. Oh my gosh! I think that there are going to be a lot of American families that are very confused this 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 Christmas with what the hell is that? Where is the cheesecake? <laughs> I wonder how many like hundreds of times Google suddenly got these strange queries from Americans: pudding basin. Uh, all these people are going to go pudding into like basin. Whole Foods and like Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> Excuse me, do you have any pudding basin? I heard on a podcast, Lori was telling. So, Could you uh, imagine someone going into the Kroger or the HEB? Vons or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, funny that uh, RuPaul's Drag Race season one contestant Bag of Chips uh, just posted on her Twitter where she could buy some pud. And I directed her to our podcast to see if she would listen to the recipe. So That's who cross-promotional. Knows if, we're gonna, if she's going to... Uh, Tuck into Lori's recipe. Oh my gosh, we got so tuck. many people saying, like, <laughs> tuck in. I like that double entendre. Because that's what you do with the duct tape, and then you also can eat, and this, it's the whole thing. Um, yes, but so many people love Lori's recipe, and it was so great for to hear her contribution. So, hey, it was a cool thing that we heard from one of our super fans. And I should say, she's like a, a, a businesswoman um, patisserie owner, which is cool. She has a, her own patisserie. Patisserie Valerie? No, uh, no, which is a very popular um, thing in the UK. I think Patisserie Valley has closed, which is sad. But no, she has a shop called uh, Atelier Calibri in San Leandro, California. So that was cool to hear from her. So if you have any little contributions you think would be cool for the um, show, record your audio on the voice memo app on your iPhone or whatever you have and shoot, us, shoot it to us in an email. Maybe we'll put it on the show. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know what else is cool, Mr. Brandon? Um, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. Oh, we were thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yes. So we, we do say that in every episode, but it's something we don't forget. So yeah, that's nice. So uh, shall we talk about the episode? Yeah. What the hell are we on this podcast about? Are we like talking about recipes? I don't, I, I've forgotten. I've been asking myself the same thing all week. Every week, this I was ask this is kind of a this is kind of a blah episode for me. Disagree, but disagree. but you disagree. So we're gonna have a little bit of a count uh, pointer counterpoint here. Should we do one of those a things where like we artificially find something we disagree on, or like one of us <laughs> takes the other way just to make it a thing for the show? <laughs> I, I I don't think that we need to we need to do that. I think there's enough that we We're have to talk about. We're both full of about. hot air enough that we don't have exactly. to manufacture exactly. things for the show. Thank you for spitting it out. That's what I was trying to get <laughs> at. Anyway, tonight we're talking about Series 6, Episode 4, Shedding the Load, which originally premiered on December 6th, 1978. And that week in the news, uh, now Senator Dianne Feinstein succeeded... Uh, the murdered George Moscone to become the first woman and the first Jewish mayor of San Francisco, and she remained in office for 10 years. And has not been out of office, I think, until this very day to in the year 2020, right? Did she... Oh, no, she didn't, like, leave, step down, because I know that there are concerns about her health, but... Oh, no, um, she's still in office, but I'm thinking, still in like, okay, when okay. she was mayor of San Francisco for 10 years... Oh, yeah, she's been working in public service since then. She's Absolutely. been, a, like, a public elected official, yeah. But it's yeah. an interesting question. Like, she's 89, sure. right? Something like that. Like, is there an age that is too old for you to be a senator? I don't know. I really am against ageism. So I think if, you know, if she, I think she's been having some, like, temporary short-term, like, short-term memory loss issues... But, you know, just because you're 89 doesn't mean you can't play the game. But 
Who knows? We'll see what happens with her. Yeah. Um, speaking of Jewish, uh, Menachem Begin and Anwar Sadat accepted the Nobel Peace Prize in Oslo for their work towards peace in the Middle East. Hooray. And I think the uh, the Israeli government failed today. Did you hear about that? Uh, for the fourth time. In two years. Okay. So yeah. maybe they'll get Netanyahu out of there and get somebody. But anyway. Yeah. Well, once, once his BFF in Washington leaves uh, in, on January 20th, I think that uh, that's going to have some ripple down impact over there. Um, TikTok. And also speaking of Jewish, uh, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand's song, You Don't Bring Me Flowers, hit number one on the charts. You don't bring me flowers. Thank you. Thank you. Was that supposed to be Neil or Barbara? Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> All righty. So, <laughs> How do you um, follow up with that? You don't. You right. just move on really quickly. So... Um, <laughs> We're in, uh, we're in young Mr. Grace's office, and Miss Bakewell shows him a, a ladder in her tights, and his blood, rush, blood pressure rises so much that he breaks the bulb on the sphygmomanometer, uh, which is a fancy word for the blood pressure machine. Yeah, that's what thing. normal people would call it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Rumbold brings him the final figures for the month, and they're really quite bad. This is a common recurring theme that we have here at the, sh- at the store. I love how Ms. young Mr. Grace says, he says to the nurse when the little thing goes off, he says, it's an it's encouraging, encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cute because you see his little arm like with the, um, the, the pressure band the wrapped, the cuff, wrapped around his little bicep. And it, his bicep must, it's like the, the size of a paper towel roll. I mean, it's like yeah. super little tiny. And I love that you hear, I love the, the nurse's voice because um, back in the 70s, everyone smoked, right? And she, she had that very low smoker's voice. Um, yep. If you remember the Jeffersons? Yes. Remember moving on up to the deluxe apartment in the sky? I do remember. Wheezy. Or Weeza, I think it's Weezy. Weezy, the the the, the 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 wife, yeah. George, oh George, <laughs> she had a smoker's voice. She had that really really deep voice, yeah. Just like Isabel the way Sanford. that the nurse, like, oh, Mister Grace. I mean, she doesn't sound that bad like Harvey Firestein, <laughs> but she de- definitely had that smoker's voice, which a lot of like actresses in this in the late seventies, you know, they've been smoking for twenty, twenty five years. They've they've developed it. You don't hear that anymore, really, right? No, you you don't you don't at all. Um, over on the floor, the ladies are having a gossip about uh, Tittles. Apparently, had gone missing. <gasps> Uh, it ran out the back door or something. And Mrs. Axelby marched right up to the police station, up to the sergeant's desk, and said, have any of your constables reporting having seen this lady's pussy? Um, <laughs> so I, I, in, we didn't get a single pussy joke at all last week at the wedding to Mr. Metaxas. And I know that disappointed you. It did a little bit, but you know what? They're making up for it. And this one is in context, right? It's got a good setup. It's not just saying the P word for that sake. Like this, this, this pussy joke gets four out of five stars, I would say. <laughs> I didn't know we were ranking them. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because I don't really remember a lot about this episode when I was watching it today. And I thought, oh, this is going to be definitely something that comes up in the episode later. Like they're building something up for the for the. For the nope. script, but nothing. Tittle's, be- Tittle's be going missing was just a little one-off setup for the joke. Yeah, I know. I thought yeah. it was going to be like the great missing pussy joke, but no. No. Um, that that plot line doesn't come until much later. Um, I think maybe it's season 10. 
where there's a whole episode that centers around uh, Tittles having gone missing. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Um, Mr. Harmon brings out the center display sand, and it's a mannequin in a white bra and taupe-colored tights. And Warwick is here to help him. I think this is the first time that we get to meet Warwick. Warwick, yeah, that's that's right. When he was kind of introduced, it was like, oh, okay, Warwick, how you doing, buddy? This whole scene with Mr. Harmon, um, I think he forgot to say his line. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, because he snuck it in at the end. Oh, yeah, by the way, it works with this switch or, like, this is how you do it. And then Captain Peacock had to repeat, take it away. I think Captain Peacock might have stepped on his line by saying, take it away too early. Oh, okay. And so, then, and then, Mr. Harmon had to go back and like say, oh, because it's the, it's the setup of the whole plot device about the hand and the scrubbing. Yeah. So this yeah. whole thing, I mean, it, it really does prove to see how this ensemble cast really does work together. So yeah, when I say ensemble cast, that's like these people work together all the time. A lot of times, when you have actors, the actors will come and go, but the um, the the roles will stay the same, but you don't develop that relationship with people if you work with the same people all the time. So it was cool to see one kind of like drop the baton and someone else picks it up and kind of fixes it so that they can still keep going with the scene. So that was cool. Well, do do you really think that are you being served as an ensemble cast? Because when I think of an ensemble cast, I think of there's no one star. I feel like they're all on more or less equal footing. Like if you think of Friends, none of really of the six Friends was the star. Right? No, you, it's a good question. Um, and this is we we kind of jokingly always say the star of the show, Mr. Humphreys, when we right. want to be especially gay, right? But um, I don't think there was a star. I think it was ensemble. You know, you well, take I mean, any it was one a, of those people it was originally, away. It was originally written as a vehicle for um, Trevor Bannister. It was supposed to be focused on Mr. Lucas. And then quickly they realized, no, he's not going to be the center of it. Because John Inman and Molly Sugden ate the scenery up. and Right. <laughs> they loved so, it. <laughs> so you have, I mean, if you think, if we think about it, there are episodes that are focused on other characters besides Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Humphreys. Like, you get... There are a lot of things that are focused on Captain Peacock, especially yeah. when it comes to his wife, when he's got the boil on his bum and he's got to do ring. the boxing match, right? <laughs> um, the senior salesmen uh, typically are the center. So, okay, all right, you know, you've convinced me. It is an ensemble cast. All right. But that's a good question. I mean, we, we, we pose these things on the episodes and we kind of let them go, but... Let us know. We always say, let us know, audience. But seriously, if you think someone is the star of the show, who is it and why? I think the ensemble idea where they're all kind of on equal footing, maybe, you know, Miss um, Brahms is probably like she can't, that oh, actress great. can't really go as deep as Molly Sugden or or. Somebody. Oh, but she can. They just never gave her a chance. I mean, hello, Pauline. Pauline, 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 Pauline. From EastEnders? Oh, I'm not. A, I was a Corey guy. But yes. So, I mean, it's it's also kind of the idea of you have to have – you have to have, be in, this, in the show long enough and have a relationship with the writers and the producer yes. and the director that they say, listen, I can – my character deserves this episode. Please write an episode that yeah. allows me to explore this part of the character. And you see that a lot on TV shows, you know. But, you know, Christ, they were, they were together for over a decade. Um, 70 episodes or more? I don't know. No. But let us know if you think someone's the, the star. And it probably isn't always Mr. Humphreys, as we wish it would have been. No. But it's an interesting um, question. 
So we we know the star of the show isn't Warwick since we're <laughs> on episode 37 already and this is the first time we're meeting him. Um, he's played by Jimmy Mack and uh, this is the actor's best known role. But he also had one-off appearances in other shows like Dad's Army, Heidi High, and Upstairs, Downstairs. So, so. all like Croft and Lloyd vehicles. Exactly. Okay, right? cool. Um, so the center display unit is for the Ironclad Hosiery Company, uh, and they make uh, tights that are rip-proof, stab-proof, and run-proof. <laughs> A lot and of stabbing whole, in uh, London, nineteen seventy-eight. I guess. Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's not about knife crime, but rather like getting your tights caught in something and getting a ladder or get or a run, as we would say in the states. If I had ten p for every yeah. time that happens, you'd have zero p. <laughs> two <wear> bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the whole idea of the center display unit is that it's a hand that reaches out. That's holding steel wool and brushes in a horizontal direction. Oh my god! Direction. It's so stupid. <laughs> right. And so, um, Mrs. Slocum wants nothing to do with it, and Captain Peacock backs her up. Right. As head of the department, she has the right to refuse it. Okay. So obviously, a su- boardroom decision has been made because that has changed. That's changed back and forth, as Superfan Jeff Y will attest, because oh, he's yes. following the ins and outs of the purchasing rules of Grace Brothers. He so, has a spreadsheet that's fourteen pages long. It's very, yeah. very uh, extended. Yeah. If you could build us a pivot table, Jeff Y, that would be great. <laughs> uh, and and we want to be able to see the timeline quarterly. And we're making decade. Excel jokes on the show. Um, so Mr. Humphreys comes over because Peacock needs to sign something for him he just sold six Y-fronts on account ooh Um, and Captain Peacock asks him to stay behind just like he did with the ladies because they're going to have a conference and then Humphreys starts to give an excuse about his mother's rug machine how he has to fix it and then the hand comes out with a steel wool against Mr. Humphreys behind and he thinks it's Peacock going back to what we were saying about how it sounded like Harmon forgot his line. He said, oh, by the way, I'm going to take the mannequin now, but my senior associate will come back later and pick up the other portion. And he runs away. You know, it was kind of like, why was that done? So there's like this second half of this thing where the hand still comes out without the mannequin. But it just was a little sloppy, I think. Right. But it made for a perfect little joke about Mr. Humphreys' ass being grabbed. I didn't pick up on that in, in while watching the show, but I think you're right. You know, did he really need to give that exposition like, oh, I'm going to leave this part behind? You know? <laughs> so the joke will work later in the scene. <laughs> exactly. Uh, would it have worked if he didn't said that? Well, maybe, because I mean, Captain Peacock was very, in his very much taken away, taken away Harmon mm, yeah. mood. So maybe he wanted to, the character needed to tell Peacock, yeah, you know what? Okay, fine. I'm going to take this away and I'll send Warwick back for the other piece because obviously I can't wheel both back. Well, he also said something so. like, oh, I forgot to tell you, it works by automatic mechanism on a random setting, which was well, like... Well, yeah, that's, that's, okay. the line, that's the line that I think that Peacock <laughs> stepped on, that, that Frank Thornton stepped on. Oh, I see. Okay, you know? no, that makes sense. So, um, so anyway, does Mr. Humph- the hand. Does Ms. Humphreys like this uh, new CPU? He can't. He, he he can't get his words out because he's so confused <laughs> and so like probably titillated that Captain Peacock is brushing up against his backside. He finally blurts out, "Oh, it's a big rug. I don't suppose a day will make a difference." <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, "Haven't you got piercing eyes, Captain Peacock?" <laughs> and he gives this really basically like 
giving this look to Mr. to Captain Peacock, like you can do whatever you want. I'm very, yours. very flirtatious, right? Oh my god, so cute. So later at the conference, Mr. Hartman serves the coffee, tea, and three water biscuits each. Thank you to the great people at Grace Brothers Water Biscuits for sponsoring our show today. Um, yes. And so the coffee urn isn't frothy because the cleaner uses Vim. And so Vim is a scouring powder bleach uh, in the States like Ajax or Comet. Oh. And this cleaner is actually known by a bunch of different names around the world. Okay. In most of Europe, it's called Sif. Uh, but in the Nordics, in Japan, Australia, and the Middle East, it's called Jif. And in Germany, it's called Vis because, because uh, Schiff is the word for ship. So they w- didn't want to have any connotation with that. And in South Africa, it's called something completely different. It's called Handy Andy. I've been to a bar called Handy Andy. <laughs> well done. Um, this is actually pretty common with a lot of household products around the world. Um, for example, I think one that most of our Anglophile listeners might know is that Dawn Dishope is called Fairy over there, right? And Dawn Dishope is called Dawn in every other <laughs> part of the country except the East Coast. There we go. I actually love Fairy Dish Soap because, one, it's like the major dish, like washing up liquid is what they call it. Yeah. Um, but it was really sweet. In the 50s, I think, they had like an ad campaign. And I, when I was in college, I had a little um, refrigerator magnet that I bought in some like gay bookstore somewhere. <laughs> As it's you just do. fairy. Yeah. But it said it's, – it's a very innocent little ad campaign from the 50s. And it says, very Englishly said, have you a little fairy in your home? Uh, and it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of gay. Oh, it's cute. So I had it. That's how I first learned about it. <laughs> cute. Nice. So Mr. Rumble tells them that sales are way down and someone will have to go. Um, And it's the saddest day of his life. (laughs) Mr. Lucas interprets this to be that Mr. Rumble is stepping down. May be the first to say goodbye to you, sir. And thank you for all the little kindnesses you've shown us along the years. Um, And so Mr. Rumble says, well, no, I'm not leaving. Redundancies like this don't apply to executives, but they do apply to middle management. So Lucas then gets up and repeats the same speech to Captain Peacock. <laughs> right? It turns out that um, Mr. Rumbold isn't going to make this decision on his own because young Mr. Grace wants to introduce worker participation into all major policy decisions. So they're all going to have a discussion and then eventually a vote on who gets laid off. That is a horrific idea. Right? But he probably just doesn't want to be bothered and he'd rather just take a nap. So he's like, oh, let them vote on it. I don't care. You know. Right. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is just a plot device to, like, you know, introduce conflict and pit them against each other. But, um, yeah, so Ms. Brom suggests the, fir- the last in, first out. Uh, so that's Mr. Lucas. And she gives the speech to him. Uh, so I'd like to just thank funny. you for all your kindnesses through the years. You would have given had you thought to give them. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Tebbs doesn't see why they need a ladies' department at all, picking up right He's after what Mr. Mr. Granger Gr- said. Granger, yeah, no. yeah absolutely. Uh, Mrs. Slocum thinks that those nearest to retirement should leave now and not drag it out. Referring to Mr. Tebbs, but we get a snotty little <gasps> aside from Mr. Humphreys. Oh. Don't forget your handbag, Mrs. Slocum. Oh, my gosh. Don't forget your handbag, Mrs. Slocum. He was such a little asshole in that scene. I was like, and Mr. That Humphreys. that sets her off. Right, fairy cakes. Oh, is that, are we having it all out now, are we? <laughs> 
No, what did he say? Yeah, no, that's exactly what he said. And we, so we see there's a lot of conflict arising <laughs> among these two people, yeah. especially Humphreys and Slocum, who are the best of friends. They never fight. But it's so cute because so, there's the, 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 the camera shoots back to Molly Sugden, and she has the classic Mrs. Slocum scowl. snarl, scowl. Yeah. Um, and I love how Mr. Humphreys, John Inman, says, what does he say? He says, oh, it's all coming, now. It's, it's all coming out now, isn't it? And he gives this, like, fierce queen, like, pissed off smirk. <laughs> and he has, like, and you can see him, he's, like, muttering under his breath as he sits down. Awesome. Loved it. That that scene alone makes this episode worth it. I mean, it's right. Uh, again, fairy yeah, cakes. I, I'm on. I'm on the counterpoint here. It's it's five seconds. It's not enough to carry <laughs> an entire episode, in my opinion. Right. Captain Peacock gets all somber and starts to tell the story of Captain Oates in the <laughs> Antarctic and how he sacrificed himself to avoid his fellow explorers having to care for him. Uh, while he was suffering from gangrene and fr- frostbite. And this is a true story. This is something that actually happened. I love how the camera starts, like, zooming in. It's supposed to be, like, ever, And you hear people in the audience, like, laugh. Because they're, again, so trained to laugh all the time. And then he flubs that one word, like, seven words until the end. Don't you yeah. know that pissed him off? Ugh. Yeah. But it was really I'm, cute. I'm wondering with, it, with, all, with everything that went on, why they just didn't do another take? Or maybe this was the best of all the takes they had. I mean, it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about the way when he gives his lines, a lot of times he will, Mister uh, Mister Mister Tebbs, like he'll forget who he's supposed to speak to, like the name of the person. So mm-hmm. maybe he wasn't the best at reciting lines, and that was if you think about repeating all of that in the scene and everything's one take. There's no cutaways. Um, it could be difficult. I'm not an actor, but I mean that was a long monologue, you know. It, it was. It was indeed. Uh, Mr. Teb gets up and walks towards the lift, and they all applaud because they think he's sacrificing himself, <laughs> but he's just going to spend a penny. Yeah. Right? He's just going to the oh. Jets. Uh, Mr. Harmon suggests having a secret ballot, um, and so they, you know, they, they think that's a really good idea because voting is the democratic way. Well, last time when he said Bill Ricky was going the other way, I nearly cut myself shaving. <laughs> so... Okay, what does that mean? I assume he's like a commentator on the news or something? Exactly. So Billericke is a town in Essex, which is about 40 kilometers east of London. Ah. And it's famous for voting conservative forever. And then I think it was in the 1976 election, they actually turned labor for once, but actually went back. So for our fellow Anglophile TV watchers... um, this is a bit of trivia around the town of Billericay. Okay. Which which modern British sitcom is set in Billericay, as well as the town Barry in Wales? Do I know so this answer? You do know this answer. It's <gasps> it's Billericay in Essex and Barry in Wales. And it takes place towns. in both places. It takes place in both places, yes. Ooh. And, 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 and it's modern. It is, it's from the past uh, 15 years. Mm, I was going to say that one that all the kids watch. Emmerdale? But no. Hollyoaks? Whatever, yeah. Sure. <laughs> the, the only way is Essex? No. <laughs> no um, this, is a, this is a sitcom. It's not a reality show. A sitcom? I give up. One of the main stars is now a famous late night host in the United States. 
Oh, oh, the 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 chubby guy who does the karaoke thing in the car. Yes. Um, what show was that? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, it's about like the gay guy and the and the his female friend. No, that's another one. I no, give up. That's I don't enough. know. It's Gavin and Stacy. That's what I meant. That's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> Gavin and Stacy, but he's not gay. Yes, because that's right. Because he, he's they're, Welsh. They're buried. <laughs> okay. She's Welsh. She's Welsh. He's from Essex. I was thinking of Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, uh, okay. That's a good one. Close, you, but have no you ever heard? Okay, now we're talking about TV shows. Have you ever heard of the the Scottish comedy called Two Doors Down? Oh yes, there's there's a uh, there's a skit from that that uh, is, makes its way around the social media where um, they're trying to get one of their friends who is hard of hearing to teach them a bit of sign language, oh. and she ends up like cussing them all out. <laughs> right, it's a yes. really good show. I just remembered it out of nowhere. Today and I looked on BritBox. We love BritBox. We'd love to be sponsored by them. Um, it's not on BritBox. It's not on anything on my Roku on my TV. But if you're in the UK, please watch <laughs> Two Doors Down. It's really really funny. It's like three four neighbors and they just they're really mean to each other, which is always very funny. But uh, I wish I could say Americans go out and watch it, but I don't think you can. It's very sad. Can you watch it on? Um, can you watch it on Amazon Prime? I searched and I don't maybe, but you know, if you if you can watch it, let us know and we'll post a link to it. It's really, really, really funny. So, have you tried VPNing in uh, and watching it on Amazon Prime? Um, I don't know what those words mean that you just made that you made come out of your mouth. So, no. Okay, so <laughs> v, VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and it's a way of protecting your. Um, your computer and your home network by kind of encrypting and your ISP can't see what you're looking at and what kind of traffic you're doing. But basically you log into a server anywhere in the world and that's how you get protected. So you can VPN your computer, your phone, your tablet to the UK and then you get access to Amazon Prime UK, Netflix UK, and you can see all of the shows that are only available there. And, you know, I know that ExpressVPN advertises this as, as, as a solution publicly, so it's not that we're, I'm suggesting something untoward. But this is how you can watch all those shows. So give it a look, and maybe it's on there. But perhaps just for fun, when you're speaking to your solicitor or attorney for other reasons, maybe ask their opinion about this <laughs> so that we have we, uh, we are not advising you to do anything, and we're actually advising you actively not to listen to this program. <laughs> um, yeah. don't, so do, the sol- don't, do th- don't do anything we ever tell you to do. Thank you. So the solicitors have counted the votes, and so Lucas has got one vote because last in, first out. Uh, Mrs. Slocum has got one vote because she's a crabby old cow. Miss Brahms has one vote because of non-cooperation at the Christmas party. So cute. <laughs> and you're like, it, it, everyone's like, well, who said that? And then you see Mr. Captain Peacock with his big goofy glasses and he suddenly like turns to the right as if he was completely unaware of what was going on. Like it wasn't right. me. So wasn't cute. me. Wasn't so me. cute. Um, one vote for Mr. Tebbs because he's past it. 
Um, one vote for Captain Peacock because he's disrespectful to Mr. Rumbled behind his back. And I love it when, when Mr. Tebbs... Signed your faithful servant, Dick Lucas. Yes, exactly. I love it when Mr. Tebbs says he's like, past it, and he looks over at Mr. Humphreys. I'm not past it, am I, Mr. Humphreys? But Humphreys says, no, Mr. Tebbs, you're not. You have minutes left. <laughs> I love it. Anytime I'm cooking something and I think, oh, it has three minutes, I always think of that scene. Oh, I have three minutes left. Uh, and then finally, don't know, signed Mr. Humphreys. Uh, still sitting on the fence, are you? Yes, that way you can see what's growing in both gardens. <laughs> Which is a bisexuality joke. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> um, so why don't we head on down to the, the canteen for a tea break and then come back and see how this all is going to shake out. I can't wait, and I'm going to go get some of those uh, fairy cakes that Mrs. Slocum so aptly suggested with Mr. Humphreys. And we'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com. Imfree.threadless.com. And you've all done very well. And uh, we're back from the canteen. Toads in the hole, as far as your eye can see. But I had fairy cakes, thank you. What did you have, Mr. Duff? I had exactly three water biscuits and no mouse hair. Congratulations to the canteen manager as for finally sweeping up. Oh, well, it's obviously the American export because we Americans don't like those uh, mouse, mouse hairs, according those to Those mouse hairs? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we sometimes, most of the time, have a segment. Sometimes. Sometimes. We have a segment on the show called uh, I, am I Am Unanimous, unanimous in, in this. this. And sometimes we get it in sync. Uh, so, Mr. Jeff, what is this week's topic, Mr. Jeff? So today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Madchester scene. Is that like a bunch of Mad Hatters having tea together? I can't be late. I can't be late. I must press button eight. No, <laughs> not at all. So it is uh, the music scene that was in Manchester in the 1980s. And that spawned a lot of indie dance music that was a, that was a relatively new genre, right? Because in the 80s, you had... Um, we were coming off of a disco era and we were coming off of that clash between uh, disco sucks rock and mm, yeah. um, disco. Yep. And so there was a lot of new wave synth pop that was going on. And this was a little bit of a response to that because it was more dancey. It was still very reliant on synth and electronic, but it was more influenced by acid house and rave music. So okay. it was very danceable music, but still not in that disco mind frame. So if you think about like three of the bands that I think are most 
uh, representative of the Manchester scene are the Happy Mondays, the Charlatans UK, and James. And um, growing up in the 90s in the States, I think that one of the touchstones for teenagers who were looking for a musical outlet was this show on MTV called 120 Minutes. And this is where they would play two hours of not top 40 music, right? Because that's what most of MTV was. Like you'd, It was just constant top 40 with Yo! MTV rap sometimes, and then you'd have Club MTV for dance music. But like late on Sunday night is there to play all this we- you know, weird shit. <laughs> and um, it was, you know, people would be singing about... Uh, not bubblegum pop topics. Yeah. And very often the, a lot of the singers or a lot of the characters in the music videos were androgynous or at best or flat out, you know, queer. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that really attracted me to this. Like, Oh, this is something I want to look into because that might be something interesting for me in this. Right. So if you think about if you think about the kind of music that those three bands put out, Happy Mondays, best known for their single Step On. Okay. Um, the Charlatans UK is the only one I know. And then James, uh, they had hits in the US with Sit Down and Born of Frustration. But their most popular song that's probably known in the States is Laid. Can you dance you to no it? Idea. That's the question. Yeah, I've not heard of you any. You can dance to <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. I've you, not that's heard. That's the point. I've not heard of any of these. And as we've delicately mentioned before, there is a ever so slight age difference between Mr. Jeff and Mr. Brandon. And I think when you're that age, when you're like really into music, like two or three years can make a big difference, right? If if I was in high school and you were in middle school, that's a that big would make a that's a big difference yeah, yeah, in then. terms of like cultural cultural age. Uh, but it sounds uh, like gaps, it right? sounds like I very I love disco. I love Donna Summer. I love Pet Shop Boys. I love disco. Right. I know. Oh. I know before you start hate tweeting, I know Pet Shop Boys isn't technically disco. It's another thing. Right. But um, I know there was like the seventies and the the disco thing and the strings and the fabulous beautiful music, and then there was the reaction to that, which was like very macho, very, and they saw that as almost gay music, which it was disco. So it almost seems like this is like a third path that they wanted music for dancing, but they didn't want to be disco because maybe they saw disco as sort of like mainstream yeah, is what they saw. And just it like as, we right? want to be or do our own thing. So that's how I'm kind of yeah. interpreting what you're saying. So all right, so imagine imagine the Pet Shop Boys sound, okay. right? So they're very driven by synth as well, but they're very um they're marked with falsetto vocals. Okay. Right? So take away the falsetto vocals and just put them with any range of vocals. And just lots uh, you wanna it, it's got a very high energy beat. Okay. Because it's danceable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also got a lot of acid um, um, influences. So if you think about a bass guitar with a lot of reverb. Okay. Like George Clinton not, kind of stuff? So, so, not about, so not actually giving a rhythm. Like not the bass guitar actually giving the rhythm, but actually the bass guitar giving the melody. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. right. All right. Um, I'm picking up what the, you're putting down. The, the focal point of the Manchester scene uh, was the Hacienda Nightclub, which was owned by the members of the group New Order. Uh, and so this is a very famous nightclub that's right near Deansgate uh, train station in Manchester. Uh, it has now become a 
block of flats. As um, is with everything old. It's as all is with everything, right? Yeah. Uh, the the nightclub that I used to frequent when I was in high school is now in NYU dormitory. And of like course. that kills me every time that I see <laughs> it, right? Um, so the Manchester scene uh, influenced a lot of other bands. Hopefully you've heard of at least one of these, right? Let's see. Um, f- from other parts of, of the country as well. So uh, uh, from Liverpool, you've got The Farm, best known for their single Groovy Train. <laughs> okay. Nope. Okay. Not. Uh, from Glasgow, you've got the Soup Dragons, uh, I'm Free, and Divine Thing. I like I'm Free for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have like a little loop of Mr. Humphrey saying, I'm free, as part of the, like, the percussion track? Not at they all. They should have. Not at all. Um, all right. From Essex, you've got Blur, She's So High, Girls and Boys, Song 2. That was popular when i was in high school yeah i remember that. okay all right we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> we're getting more and more um, basic so i understand it <laughs> uh back to manchester with the verve for bittersweet symphony one of my favorite songs I, I really oh like okay yeah. there you go yeah. uh and then also from manchester uh nolan liam oasis Oh my god! Wonder- Huge Oasis okay, good. person. Good, good. Yeah. So <laughs> I know glad. Oasis. <laughs> All right, that's I- where we merge. That's where our <laughs> our our cognizance of pop culture merges. There you uh, go. Merges. We do overlap. Oasis. Got other it. than this okay. TV show. So Oasis, I know, was from Manchester. Um, yes. Were all of these folks like northern? Because I'm because. Liverpool is where well, the farm except for is Blur. from, right? Because Blur yeah. was from Essex, right? Which is like yeah. south. But it's interesting because when you go to the UK, um, if you're in the north, they sort of like, why do we need London? We have Manchester. I don't ever need to go to London. It's very yep. much like a, a northern pride thing. So it makes sense that all of these, there's there's not a huge divide, but there is a divide definitely between the north and the south. So I'm like, I guess we're kind of seeing that with music. In this regard, except for Blur, because yeah. they're from the South. Um, one of the things that one of the things that always makes me feel at home when I'm visiting London is that when you're in a major um, a major pedestrian area, you're in Tottenham Court Road, you're Piccadilly Circus, Oxford Circus, any of that, you can't go more than a block without hearing some busker crooning out Wonderwall. <laughs> it is a staple. Yeah, like someone and playing it, the guitar like, on the sidewalk. Yeah, that's that does happen. Right. It, it's like it's like seeing like Elmo in Times Square. You know why? I do play a bit of guitar, uh, which is um, uh, like a bazooki. It's not a banjo. <laughs> From last episode. Thank you. Good call. Back. Good call. Back. <laughs> and I will say, Wonderwall is an extremely easy song to play. It's like four chords, and you don't even have to move your fingers very much, which is why everyone plays it because it's very simple. So that's why you hear it that, all the time. There, I I didn't put two and two together. My my best friend in high school tried to teach me how to play guitar once. She tried to teach me how to play "Brown Eyed Girl" by Van Morrison. It did not go so well. I, if it was brown I couldn't eyed get boy, the idea. Maybe it would have been better. <laughs> I couldn't get the idea of my two hands going independently. So, like, the idea of having to, like, change chords with my left hand and actually strum with the right, couldn't get those two things going in sync. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> or at least enough so, to play Wonderwall. There we go. There you go. Um, 
so speaking of practice, uh, Mrs. Slocum is drawing on stocking <laughs> scenes with an eyebrow nice. pencil. Nice because, transition you know, there. <laughs> thank you. They uh, they need to be able to uh, to demonstrate austerity, and they've you know taken away everyone's clothing allowance. So rather than showing their bare <laughs> legs. They have to pretend that they're wearing stockings by drawing on a scene. I'm sorry. I have a joke. I have to say it. Go for it. Do you think the next scent by Paris Hilton, introducing the newest scent by Paris Hilton for 2021, Austerity Eau de Parfum? (sighs) I thought it was funny. You know, if you had chosen another celebrity that was a little bit more relevant in 2020, (laughs) it would have hit. But, I mean... (laughs) Because, I mean, Paris Hilton is, like, so 10 years ago. I mean, she just came out with that interview this this summer about how no one knows the real her, and she's been speaking in a fake voice this entire time. Well, yeah. <laughs> you heard her speak. <laughs> well, right. Exactly. Like, if you're not paying attention. But, like... <laughs> Austerity. Who, who, the new scent Who would Calvin be able to Klein. do... Th- see, now there you go. That's it. Because it goes back to that whole egoist uh, idea of the commercial. Do you remember the commercial, the Egoist, where they're all like out the balcony doors? Egoist, Egoist. I thought that was a song from Debussy, but this is going (laughs) off the rails. (sighs) So they they continue to get to make exposition jokes about the the cutbacks. They've got such low lighting in the accounting department that they can't see to eat their chapati. Uh, Chapati is an Indian flatbread that's cooked on a skillet. Unlike naan, which is cooked on the inside of the tandoor. It's a little oven thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's the deal with Indians and the finance department on this show? Because right? anytime they have to make a reference to someone in accounts, it's always an Indian fella. It might. I mean, if you think like there's a lot of Indian Americans coming over, well, Indians, Indian citizens coming over to the U.S. back in the last 15 years for IT work. I think Donald Trump has done away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe back then, you know, because they were part of the Commonwealth, it was easy for immigrants, uh, Indian immigration. I guess so. And they maybe did accounting stuff. I yeah. Don't know. But you're, you're right. When they, when I watched it now, I caught chapati and I knew it was like an Indian bread, some kind of thing. Um, no. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. That's a, I never put those two and two together. No. Hmm. I always think about um, the one where they, rather than giving out the pay packets in an envelope, they bring oh. out the robot, and you've got Mr. Patel and the machine. And you have to put something red on your head. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, we'll get to that episode. We'll get there soon. Um, <laughs> is that that's not the same episode as um, Italian Tony? Is it? No. I don't know. I feel like it's I feel like it's really late in the series for some reason. Anyway, so the the gentlemen are all having an argy bargy in Rumble's office uh, since they used to get their shirts for free, and they come back and they take off the jackets and they're only wearing cuffs and basically a dicky. What's an argy bargy, Jeff? Uh, argument. Is that Cockney so rhyme sling? No, it's just a shortening of the word argument and then making a cute rhyme out of it. Oh, argy bargy. So, is yeah. there a term for that? Like. Cutizizing, cutizizing. I don't know. Well, okay. So, so for argument to RG, it's it's not really a diminutive because you're really just kind of clipping the entire word, and then you're doing a bit of reduplication with the with the the rhyme scheme. So there's a whole bunch of linguistic. Oh my god, I was um, joking, and he's actually going, going down that road, <laughs> ladies and gents. That's amazing. Um, Mr. Tebbs comes in wearing one of the undetectable toupees <laughs> uh, because he heard of someone else in another department getting the sack for being too old. 
Um, and Mr. Rumble comes out and says, you know, all of these cuts we've had to make, they haven't had any, uh, any success. There will be a reduction in the department. Everyone's going to state their case on Saturday afternoon, and then they're going to make the decision about who gets the axe. And I love it when, when he walks in. They were making a joke about, oh, I was watching the telly last night. They had a thing about aliens from outer space, and oh, they looked horrible. They were great big pink head with beady little eyes and ears that stuck out. And then Mr. Rumble walks in. He's like, hello, everyone. And then every, he looks exactly like the horrible Like the description, monster. right? It's so cute. And the way that he comes in, just so oblivious, so good. And then he turns to look at Mr. Tebbs and he says, who are you? Because he doesn't recognize him. And then Mr. With Tebbs his, says, uh, his toupee is undetectable. Young, young Mr. Tebbs. <laughs> young Mr. Tebbs. And then he yeah. says, Mr. Rumble says, good heavens. <laughs> As if he's disgusted with the look. It's so cute. <laughs> Oh, my God. So we cut to Saturday afternoon, and Harmon is wheeling in a blackboard (laughs) because packing department is placing bets on who's going to get fired. (laughs) And he starts calling it like a horse race. He starts giving everyone the odds, describing, um, you know, Miss Brahms as a young filly, and Mr. Lucas enjoys sewing his oats, whatever. Young stallion, right? I will say, I never understood the whole thing about, like, the odds... And like 50 to 1, blah, blah, okay. blah. Like I never, even to this day, I still don't really get it. I know like 50 to 1 is a bigger odd than 2 to 1 or smaller. I don't even know. I'm confused. Okay. So here, here's, here's how it goes, right? So they bet, they've, they've calculated 50 to 1 odds on Captain Peacock, right? Okay. So that means out of every 51 possibilities, he's going to get fired 50, 50 of those times. So there's a very high percentage chance of him going. Oh, see, I would have thought it would be the opposite, where out of, only one out of 50, but it's the, actually the opposite. So right. a very high likelihood. Okay, you can tell who was born and raised in New Jersey and who wasn't because of all of the casinos <laughs> in Atlantic City, right? right? Exactly, right. So, for example, Miss Brahms is at five to one. There's a very low possibility, you know, uh, she, she's not going to get fired, Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Mr. Humphreys turns out to be a good each way bet. Great little no- mm-hmm. nod to joke there. there. Uh, and Miss Bakewell and the nurse help young Mr. Grace down the stairs. And it's almost like a court case. Like you see Mr. Lucas stand up, clasp both sides of his jacket, addresses young Mr. Grace as your lordship. <laughs> um, and he wants Miss Browns and Miss Slocum to show their legs so they can assess their merits. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, Mr. Tebbs realizes that he must step aside, right? I guess the Captain Peacock's words about the, about oats in Antarctica are finally starting to set in. And he's like, you know, I just really wanted to stay on a bit longer so I could save up to take, uh, Mrs. Tebbs to her birthplace in Wales for old time's sake to banger. He delivers this line with such precision. So good. Yeah. So good. Like, the, and the, of course the audience gets a, a hoot out of it. Um, for the Americans who are listening or are playing along, one of the major cities in Wales is called Bangor, spelled B-A-N-G-O-R. Just like Bangor, Maine. It's, it's where, where Just that... like Bangor, Maine, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, but what's really cool, going back to the couple episodes ago, like Mr. Kipling, you know, this is the spokesperson for Mr. Kipling making a joke on a very popular TV show on the BBC about banging his wife. Yep. You know, so like, oh, okay, and he's wearing a toupee, and he takes off the toupee, and... 
his hair is all over the place. I could see why they were like, okay, maybe we pay him more so he quits that show to stop making our brand look bad. So exactly, I thought about exactly, that. Exactly, I got it, right? So Mr. Tebbs' speech is so moving to everyone that everyone else decides to resign in order to save Mr. Tebbs' job, right? And so they're all fighting over who gets to resign, and Mr. Rumbold calls for them, you know, no one's going to go. We still have got to sort it out. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Silkham say, you know, shall we? Let's. And they pour the milk and the sugar over Mr. Rumbold's head <laughs> in order to anger him, in order to get them to get him to fire them. Yay. So this this is a callback back to the, the club, right? Why wouldn't he fire them when they all threw wallpaper paste at him? Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But this... This they would, right? That that's one of those things that I was having a hard time suspending disbelief about where it started to get real absurdist. Anyway, <laughs> Mr. Rumble says, You're fired, both of you, and young Mr. Grace immediately overturns it. No, they're not. I've always wanted to do that. Have some cake and pushes some cake in his face. <laughs> and then he becomes and Deus t- ex machina, doesn't he? That's right. This is that there you go. Yes! This is exactly the right uh, explanation for that. Uh-huh. The economy cuts out of nowhere have been canceled because young Mr. Grace is taking a three-day work week. Okay. So he's only going to pay himself for three days instead of five. Oh. And then, but he's got all the money in the world. He's paying himself. It doesn't matter, right? That's weird. Um, and so that's the end of the episode. Um, but one thing we forgot to say that I think is worth repeating. When they were deciding, they were, they were doing the vote among the department about who should get the can. And uh, no one voted for Mr. Humphreys. And Mr. Rumbold said, well, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a loss. At least we all know that no one wants to see the backside of Mr. Humphreys. And then Mr. Humphreys says, which is very unusual for me, isn't it? Oh, my God. So funny. Yeah. I mean, this one, this episode. Justify your, your hatred of this episode, Jeff. This is, I call shenanigans. So we, we get a lot, we get a lot of, they introduce the conflict. Right, they're pitting every employee against each other, to the point where they vote for each other, and then they have to plead their case in order to stay on. But the conflict doesn't play out, right? We see Slocum and Humphreys almost go at it, right, fairy cakes, <laughs> and then it doesn't go anywhere in the quote unquote trial. I, I don't know. I mean, we it, we didn't have any costumes apart from the undetectable toupee. We have become very dependent upon costumery, haven't we? Not? Yeah. Right. The pussy joke was way early on. Um, <laughs> so I'm picturing just, like a, 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 a pivot table type of thing that you've made in your mind about like the pussy joke has to be at least at least halfway through the episode. If it's in the first at least. half, it loses points. <laughs> Absolutely. Come on. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this was a uh, lackluster yeah, episode. If, if, if Mr. Humphreys would have had a fabulous outfit. Right. Especially coming off of my favorite episode, this is kind of a letdown, right? It's not yeah. like we had back in season five where we had banger after banger after banger of episode. But listeners, do not despair, right? Because season six is wrapping up quite soon, right? We have um, next week we're talking about a Bliss Girl where uh, Mr. Humphreys has to sell the perfume because the, the Bliss Girl can't get in. Okay. And then uh, Happy Returns, which is young Mr. Grace's birthday with the Valley of the Toys, right? And so that's the end oh of season six. Oh, my God, such a good one. When we get into season seven, we get the Goldberg years. And I think that Mr. Goldberg is my favorite of the rotating senior salesman because Ooh, every okay. single episode that he is in is gold. 
Right. I think so, I agree with you there. I, I this is not my favorite episode, but just for <laughs> just for the zinger, don't forget your handbag, Mrs. Slocum. And then she says, "Right, fairy cakes. Oh, it's all coming out now, isn't it?" Like that alone. It couldn't save the episode. For it does me. for me. I'm sorry. I just love it. It was like a. It was like I'm watching I, Desperate House. No, um, Angry Housewives of Atlanta. What's that show called? Real Housewives. Real Housewives. Real Housewives of of Grace Brothers. Ooh, no, that's a show. <laughs> Real Housewives of Marylebone. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, um, I I think that if they had if they had done a little bit more to set up the conflict between Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Humphreys which is unprecedented in the series, which comes out of nowhere for them. Like, if they had been bickering for the, fir- for the first 10 minutes of the episode over stupid things, like he left his, like, chalk on her or side of the Or maybe they were fighting over like a commission that, that some, something. something. Yeah, I hear you. Right, some kind of buildup. Then, then that, don't forget your handbag, all right, fairy cakes, that would have really packed a punch. <laughs> oh, they should make love, not war. Well, not among each other. Although Mrs. Well, Mrs. Slocum I mean, will try in the, the, the coming seasons, yeah. In the apartment, when we get to um, season seven, Mr. Humphreys, leave my pussy is. alone. See, it's in the second half. It's, <laughs> it's also at the very end of the episode. Yeah, he's so happy with and his spreadsheet. It packs much anyway. Um, listeners, if you want to fight me about this, if you think that this was one of the best episodes <laughs> of all time, please get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter. Or write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com or call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK, 662-732-2625. If calling the United States is uh, out of your purse strings, then you could always record a voice memo and email it to us and we'll play it on the pod. Woohoo! Yes, indeed. So, with that, Mr. Jeff, shall we say you've all done? You've all done very well. Bye, Unanimous. Bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That does suit, Madam. Is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? No person other than a board of elections official shall produce or disseminate a document substantially resembling an official ballot.